Tonight, I want to take a little different route. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 7 tonight. We're going to begin reading in verse 36, and I'm going to really intentionally try to... um, I don't know that I should have used that word. I'm going to intentionally try tonight to, uh, to uh, not to be brief, but to share with you just the gist of what I believe God wants you to hear tonight. I believe there are opportunist pursuers. They will pursue God if, if there is an opportunity that is at hand. That's people that if I might define that, that if they come to church and God's moving, then they might pursue Him. If if the glory sits down in the house or the Spirit of the Lord moves, then you might see them express themselves in a desire and a hunger for God that goes outside of the norm. But then I believe that there are intentional pursuers. See, I believe there are people that create atmospheres. We, we sometimes think God just just by happenstance shows up. I don't believe God just decided one day, well, I, you know, I think I'm just going to visit the Father's house today. I believe that there are people that create an environment for the presence and the glory of God. I don't believe it's something that happens because God decided to pick this place or that place. I believe God is attracted to desperate and hungry hearts that are intentional about their hunger for Him. I believe that when somebody gets hungry enough to say, God, I I'm not going to wait on revival. I'm going to get in your face till I become revival. That there's a generation of people that said, God, I'm coming for you. Because the Bible said God is a rewarder of those that will diligently seek Him. And a person that has made up their mind, I'm not going to be denied. I may have to scratch. I may have to crawl. I may have to pursue. I may have to dig in. I may get insulted. I may get walked away from. I may be made fun fun of. I may be scandalized but God I am coming after you with every fiber of who I am. That God there is a cause at hand like David saw because he knew who God was. That when he walked in the face of an adversity where there was a a, a Philistine uncircumcised giant that was defying the armies of God and stripping them uh, naked before the world as if to embarrass them and to shame them. But he said is there not a cause? I believe there's a people that are so fed up with the situations and the circumstances and all of the immorality and the ungodliness and all of the decay that is in our nation that we have said, is there not a cause? God, I'm coming after you because I'm tired of waiting on revival because God needs somebody to be revival. God needs somebody to be an awakening. God needs a pioneer. God needs a voice in this nation. And I believe that you are that voice. I believe that you are that determined people that are like so many in the Bible that refuse to define what God defines in the Word as a person who's really hungry after Him. Isn't it amazing to me how we define or we define God as, as and, and we put Put him to a place to where we make whatever hunger we have acceptable unto God instead of knowing who God is and what God's really hungry for. We decide what God is hungry, what God wants, and what God decides is hunger. 
We decide what, what is the pursuit of God. We determine in our own minds according to our personality and our religious atmosphere and our religious traditions and our culture. We determine in our hearts what it is to be passionately in pursuit of God. The Bible said God is the reward of those that diligently seek Him, but how do you define diligent? How do you define that terminology? The Bible said God takes no pleasure in those that draw back. But how do you determine what defines drawing back? Is, it, is, that, is that definition determined by how you measure your own life or how the Word of God determines what's drawing back or what are we doing to pursue Him? I think we find it in Luke chapter 7 in verse 36 when the Bible said one day the Pharisee desired him that he would come and eat with him. It's a noble thing to desire to have God show up. But just because God shows up don't mean that God moves. I'm going to say that one more time. Just because God showed up don't mean that God moved. I'll prove it to you because the Pharisee got nothing out of him that day. Not one thing did he receive of the Lord except correction and rebuke. We find in the Bible where there were a multitude of people that were thronging Jesus one day. They were pulling on Him. They were pushing on Him. They were grabbing at Him. The Bible said thronging Him. Thronging Him literally leads more than just walking around Him. That means that they were pushing and tugging on Him. But the Bible does not say that any person in that group of the multitudes got anything from Him. But yet there was one person, one woman, that when she touched the hem of His garment... He stopped in the middle of the multitude and said, Who touched me? And the reason was because the Bible said that he declared the virtue flowed out of him. That day, that Pharisee that invited him into the house and was responsible for the invitation got nothing from him. And I'm afraid that we come to church and we don't get anything out of him because we have defined what diligent pursuit means ourselves. And we've not really read the Bible to those that God actually responded to. We have not really, we've not really looked into the Scriptures as to people who got the attention of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I need the attention of God in my life. I need the attention of God for the call and the purpose of God over my life. I need the attention of God for my family. I need the attention of God for my city, for my community. I need the attention of God for my grandbabies. I need the attention of God for my family today. There is a cause at hand, church. And there's got to be a generation that's going to get the attention of God. A generation that will attract the presence of God. God is attracted to hungry people. Not casual hunger, but I'm not opportunist hungry people. But people that are genuinely, intentionally hungry after God. That I've made up my mind, like the Bible says that he and that this Simon the Pharisee desired him that he would he would come to his house. And the Bible said in verse 37 that well, and, and the rest of the verse said, and he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat. Everybody say when she knew. Very important. Watch this. 
that, that, that he sat at meat in the Pharisee's house. Watch this. The Bible said, brought an alabaster box of ointment. I need you to see some. And if I don't get ripped, ripped through the text tonight, you just go ahead and go home and read it and know that, that, that Lance preached it all to you tonight. But I need you to hear this, that when she knew that Jesus was in the house, when she knew that he was there, she intentionally determined in her heart, I am about to go in Simon the Pharisee's house. I'm about to go into a house where I know I'm a harlot I'm a loose woman I've slept with anybody and everybody I already know that they may have warrants for my arrest in that house because he is a Pharisee and the judgment to an adulterer oh I wish I had time was, was, was to kill her. I know that I'm walking into an environment where I am going to be rejected, where I'm going to be judged, where I'm going to be condemned, where I'm going to be unwanted. This thing that the church has got, go where you're celebrated and not where you're tolerated, is a lie from hell. You better learn how to go where other people don't want you to go and go where you're rejected from because if you're going to get a hold of God, you can't go while everybody's patting you on the back you got to be willing to have a determination in your heart that hypocrites aren't going to hold me back. The opinions of people are not going to stunt my pursuit of Him. And the Bible said that, that, that she went and got an alabaster box of ointment. In other words, she intentionally prepared the greatest sacrifice that she could possibly offer. Now if you understand something about a, 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 a harlot woman with perfume, it was part of her living. Because when you're a prostitute and you sleep around, perfume is your best friend. I wish I had somebody understood what it was like to live in that kind of world. So perfume was, was her enticement to men. It covered up the stench of the smell of the people she had slept with. So it was valuable to her more than just a year's worth of salary. But she made up her mind, when I come into the presence of Jesus that's in Simon the Pharisee's house, I'm not coming empty-handed. I'm not coming casually. I'm not coming to be normal. I'm not coming to be accepted. And she burst into a room where she would be condemned, intentionally determined in her heart, I'm bringing a sacrifice to the king. Uh, and I'm not just bringing anything. I'm bringing something that is important to who I used to be. I'm bringing my identity of who I am right now. I'm bringing the only thing that I have in the world of value. And I've intentionally, when I heard that he's in the Pharisee's house, I'm intentionally going to get my sacrifice. Because I'm not coming in with the intention of being an opportunist. I'm making determined preparation to be a pursuer of the King of Glory. And when I come, I'm not going to give Him partial amounts of what I have. I'm coming to give Him everything. I'm coming to give Him my past, my present, and my future. I'm coming to lay down everything that I have at His feet. And I'm coming down with an expression of worship that's going to make everybody in the room very uncomfortable. You see, at some point in time in our lives, we got to have a pursuit of God that makes religious people extremely uncomfortable. And as long as you're going to relate the religious stigma of a room determine your pursuit of God, you'll never get your miracle. 
I'm going to say it again. We have, we have determined, well, there's a strange spirit in the house tonight. Well, something don't feel right tonight. Well, they didn't sing the right song tonight. And I don't know, there was just a religious spirit in the house. Well, my God, whoever said you had to succumb to a religious spirit or, a, or an oppressive spirit when you have the spirit of the living God and your pursuit of God is greater than any hindrance of the devil. My God, we're always bowing a knee to an opposing spirit. There were no greater religious spirits in all of Jerusalem than there was that day in Simon the Pharisee's house. He was the apex of the religious spirit. He was the apex of the spirit of Antichrist. But in the middle of that room came a woman who fell down with extravagant worship that made Simon so uncomfortable that he even made a judgment about his invited guests if he were really a prophet. He would know what kind of woman this is. And if you can understand the, 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 the scenario of what's going on, I just wonder how many of us people that have been living for God for the last 20 years would be appalled if some harlot walked in the door tonight. And that she was full of harlotries and she was skimpy dressed and she was in her seductive clothes. But she runs into the middle of the church with radical expressions of travail and weeping so much that she had enough tears to wash the feet of the king. I just wonder how many of us the observation was be, who does she think she is? Worshipping any such way as that. We know she just slept with. But yet a sinner had a greater revelation of Jesus than a man who had studied the Scriptures all his life. So just because we know the Bible does not mean that we're worshipping the King. Because listen, if the knowledge you have of the king does not result in the sacrifice of your intentional pursuit, then maybe you ain't heard the testimony about the real king of glory. Because the real testimony connected with the real desperation of this woman created an expression of worship that is still remembered and preached 2,000 years later. That she would bust her alabaster box. And I can only imagine that in that room where there was the smell of, of lamb, there was the smell of all of the uh, of, 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 of cooking and the things that were prepared. But over the power of the smell of the fresh cooked lamb, oh, I wish I had time tonight. Over the smell of the, of the spices and the herbs that was used to prepare that meal. There came another aroma. And it was the aroma of the perfume that was in that alabaster box. Because when she poured it out, she poured it all out. She didn't put it in in portions. She poured everything out. I just wonder if God's got a generation that can get it all. I wonder if God has got a generation that is not going to negotiate what they're going to lay down. That is not going to sit in the pews and say, I've given it all, while the truth is you know you held some back. In the Bible, there were two people called Sapphire and Ananias. And Sapphire and Ananias 
purpose in their heart because there was a great unity in the church. Can I preach in here for just a minute? This is extremely prophetic tonight. I had no intentions of mentioning this at all. But it is an extremely prophetic word that I believe that God has for the body of Christ right now. There was an atmosphere of unity. And the Bible said that people were selling everything they had and they were bringing the totality of the sales to, to, the, to the feet of the apostles. And the Bible said that no one in the entire body lacked anything because there was a, there was a unity of full surrender. There was a unity of giving everything. There was a total submission of, of abandonment to God. And all of a sudden, Sapphire and Ananias, who owned a piece of land, sold their piece of land. And the problem with it was, is the Bible said they had the choice to do with that land what they wanted to. They could have kept it themselves. They didn't have to sell it. God did not require it of it. But they, did, they wanted to fit in. Mm, oh, I could count there for a minute. They wanted to be like Simon. They, they wanted to fit into the environment. So I just wonder how many of us are trying to fit into an environment. Are we really in pursuit of Him? Are we just being Pentecostal? Or is there a deep knowing hunger that I've got to get to the feet of Him? Is there a tenacity in us that was in the woman with the issue of blood that she prepared intentionally if I can but touch the hem of His garment? While he's surrounded by opportunist pursuers, she's determining in her heart. Pre-planned and intentional if I can touch the hem of his garment. In other words, I'm not just doing something out of the emotion of the moment. I'm intentionally determining in my heart, I'm about to go after God. I'm intentionally determined, I'm going to go home and get my alabaster box. I'm going to get my ointment because I'm intentionally coming after God. Mm -hmm, I know where I'm going. I'm intentionally going to find him. I'm going to be like the Canaanite woman that our daughter's grievously vexed with a demon. And I'm going to run and fall down and begin to worship Jesus. And the moment that, that he don't answer me and the disciples say, send her away. And the Bible says that he told her, oh gosh, y'all ready for this? The Bible said that he told her, I'm only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. And she was rejected in her prayers. You see, most people walk out at that moment. The moment that they feel that God didn't respond. The minute that the people that are representing Jesus said, send her away. I wonder how many of us walked away from a diligent burning fire of passion for God and we walked away because somebody that represented Jesus said, send you away. Somebody didn't receive you like you thought you ought to be received. Uh, somebody, somebody talked about you that was supposed to represent Him. Somebody didn't show you the special attention. They didn't pray for you in the altar call. Oh God. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't lay hands on you. You didn't get something you thought you ought to have received from them. And you came genuinely out of desperation. And you determined that that desperation was enough. 
And after getting rejected, we go home. After even Jesus said, I'm not sent to you. I'm sent to the lost house of Israel. We would have walked away. But not her. The Bible said she came back. And she worshipped him again. If you read and denote the way the Scripture reads, it's not that it was one simultaneous place where she continued to worship in the midst of the event. But there was a time when He told her no. And there was a scenario where there was a moving, but she came back. Are you, do you have the tenacity to come back? Do you have the tenacity to get up after you got rejected? Do you have the determination in your heart that says, I'm going after Him no matter what He my God. Where is that kind of hunger? We have settled in our mind that God's okay if we get our feelings hurt and we back away. We've settled that it's okay if we get tired and we just back away and take a sabbatical from our pursuit. This is too much. We don't, you know, God doesn't require all this. It's not necessary. How many nights that's just too much? Oh, help me, church. I'm, I, I, do, I got responsibilities and obligations and God just doesn't need that out of me. That's just hyper, that's hyper charismatic Christianity. That's hyper Pentecostalism. That's just over the top and too much. God doesn't require me to get out of character because I'm a dignified person. And God doesn't require me to have to roll around in the floor. And God doesn't need me up there crying and get snot all over the carpet. Hello? That's not necessary. That's not in my, my scope of the personality of who I am. And we determine what we think is desperation. We define what we think will move God. And then when what we think moves God don't move God, we quit and go home disappointed with God. We give up and say, well, God didn't move. Well, God didn't do it. So God must be sovereign. And this is not His sovereign will. Oh my. Boy, I felt that religious spirit rise up. Because we want to blame everything on the sovereignty of God and never take responsibility that maybe we were not hungry enough. That maybe we were not determined enough. That maybe the faith that we call faith is not what the Bible defines as faith. That maybe we let the crowds cause us to back away. And we let it be an excuse as to why we wouldn't push through the crowds. You understand for that woman with the issue of blood to have touched the hem of the garment among the thronging crowd of people that were around her. She had an issue of blood and as a Jew, she would make every person she touched unclean. She determined into her mind, I'm about to put a bunch of people through hardship and I'm about to put them in a bad place, but I'm telling you I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. She predetermined in her mind, they ain't going to stop me tonight. She predetermined in her mind, they ain't nobody going to stop me from getting a hold of God. Nobody's going to stop my touching the hem because I've already made up my mind and decided that if I touch the hem of His garment, my issue of blood will stop. 
This woman made up her mind. They're going to mock me. They're going to make fun of me. The temple guards may come because he's a Pharisee and cast me out of the house. But I am going to worship the king. I'm going to break my alabaster box. And the aroma of my sacrifice is going to overpower the aroma of a stick, a stagnant, condemning, judgmental, cynical aroma of Phariseeism and religion. I need you to hear what I'm about to tell you tonight. You got an ointment of worship on the inside of you that is greater than the, than the stench of a religious atmosphere. And your worship will always overpower the spirit of religion. But your worship cannot be determined by the atmosphere. Your worship has got to determine the atmosphere. I'm going to say that one more time. You can't let the atmosphere determine your worship. You can't let the atmosphere determine your pursuit. You can't let the atmosphere determine your praise. You can't let the atmosphere determine your hunger. You've got to let your worship determine the atmosphere. Because your worship has the power to change the atmosphere around you. Whew. And that woman who so desperately needed her daughter healed, came back and fell down and began to worship. And once again, Jesus addressed her. And I know that you all have your own ideas about what you think God will accept and what you don't think He'll accept and how you think He ought to respond to you and how you don't think He ought to respond to you based on your feelings. Not on the character of who He is. That's why you have people in the church that thinks that God still accepts their lifestyle when they're sleeping with somebody outside of marriage. That because you're so special, God would violate every attribute of His Word to make it okay for you because y'all love each other. Boy, did I just go down that road. That God just is okay with your lifestyle because it's you. God's okay with your unforgiveness because after all, don't, isn't that what we do? Isn't that what we would do? God's alright with it because that's how we figured that God really is. And see, this woman comes and falls down and worships Him. And He says to her, watch the Scripture and what it says. He says to her, it is not for me to throw my bread to the dogs. He called her a dog. Can I be honest with you? Are we hungry enough for God that if God exposes us for who we really are, That we will not take our toys and go home. Because see, we want to go after God until God deals with our junk. We're going to pursue God until God puts His finger on the issue of what kind of life we're really living and what we really are. Because according to the Jews, they were dogs. 
And you know what she said? Even the dogs will eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Because she had made up her mind before anything else, I am going to find Jesus and I am going to touch Him till my daughter is delivered from every infirmity and every devil. My God. There is determination in the hearts of these people I preach tonight. That said, I refuse to be offended. I refuse to get tired. I refuse to back up. I refuse to make excuses. I'm coming with everything I have. And you're not going to offend me. You're not going to ask too much of me. Because I come prepared to give it all. I come prepared to be unoffendable. I come prepared that if I'm disappointed, I'm just going to worship with more intensity. That if you talk about me and you whisper behind my back and you point your finger at me and condemn me because of who I am, I'm going to worship harder. You will not turn my tears of passion into calluses of bitterness. Because I predetermined before I ever start the journey, I'm bringing it all. Not some of it, all of it. I've made up my mind in my consciousness and in my heart and in my soul, God, I'm coming after you. And I will not be offended. I will not be denied. I will not be rejected. I will not let whatever hard words you got to say to me disappoint me to the point that I quit. That if you strip me bare in front of everybody, do what you got to do. But I got to touch you tonight. That I will not settle for visitations. There must be a generation determined that I will be a habitation. I'm standing in front of a body of believers. That God has chose our, and I'm not spitting that is sweat off my nose. When it hits the projection of my voice, it goes. You see it, it's pouring. It's just sweat. Ain't nothing anointed about it. It's just sweat. I'm standing in front of a generation. I need you to hear this. Because I'm, I'm done. I can have my favorite praise and worship leader on the planet. Next to Lanisha. You just always tell her. I told her. I'm standing in front of a church and a generation. I'm not here to hype you up. Because if I hyped you up and I disobeyed what the word of the Lord was, guys, I got to go home tonight to a hotel and put my head on a pillow and I'm going to have to deal with what I said tonight. So I'm not here to hype you up and tell you something that I know that God didn't say. But I'm standing in front of a generation that God has chosen. Not for a visitation, but to host His glory. I'm standing in front of a people that God has told, called you 
and said, this is your opportunity to be a generation to carry my spirit. Not in seasons, but perpetually. Not just in a church service, but you'll carry it home to your families. You'll carry it to your workplace. A generation of people that'll walk in a room and somebody will go, I smell Jesus. They'll go, I don't know what's going on with you, but there's something different about you. We know when you come into the office because we can feel it. I don't know what it is, but I can feel it. You understand tonight, it's not about a feeling. It's that's the moment that you can say, it's the Spirit of the living God. Because my God is not in the third dimension beyond the Milky Way. He lives inside of me. And He longs to live in you. He's chosen you to host an awakening. A reformation. In the middle of Avon, Indiana. But until you personally and purposely determine in your heart, God, I'm coming after you. All of me. With everything I got. And I'm going to pursue you as hard in my living room as I do when Paul calls for prayer before church. My desperation of cry of intercession is going to be as much on the way to work at 7.30 in the morning as it was at 9.30 in the altar. That God, my hunger for brokenness and repentance is not going to be what I do when there's a call in the church to repentance. But repentance becomes a daily part of my life. Not out of routine not out of religious ceremony but out of a heart because God I need you I've got to have you and God if I don't get you I can't make it another day that God I can't settle for status quo Christianity I can't settle for going through the routine of just church there is a cause church there is a cause. And you're standing in the middle of the greatest moment of time when God's grazing up His church like no other generation has ever seen before. And you're a part of that generation. You're called. And you've been chosen. My question is, will you tonight not as an opportunist but intentionally go ahead and make up your mind I'm getting my offering ready I ain't talking about your money I'm talking about the offering of your life I'm talking about the offering of your time I'm talking about the offering of your hunger I'm talking about the offering of your availability to God I'm talking about your willingness to readjust your lifestyle 
to turn your cell phone off to be able to put aside social media long enough to turn off the television and turn off whatever things distract me that are unedifying to my pursuit of God that God I'm coming after you with everything I've got and I'm breaking the alabaster box or there's no chance to ever put the bottle back in the box because when I pop the top on it it's all coming out that's what God's after tonight a people that have determined God I'm becoming a diligent pursuer and my definition of, of, of diligent it's not my opinion but it'll be that of a woman with an issue of blood it'll be that of a blind Bartimaeus that shouted louder than anybody else in the room It'll be that of a Zacchaeus that refused to be at the same level as everyone else and said, my God, if i got to climb a tree to get a revelation of who He is, then I'll climb a tree because I won't let people stop me from seeing who He really is. I'm coming for you, God. I'm coming for you. I just want to know, will you give Him your yes tonight? Will you determine in your heart? I wish I had time to tell you the story. I came to that place in my life at the end of the brokenness at the end of the death at the end of everything of having to die I made up my mind with a church full of people that I loved with all my heart but they were dead set in staying where they were and I said God I'm not staying here I'm not leaving this church but I am not staying here spiritually I'm coming for you Lord I don't care if nobody else comes with me. If my wife don't come, my wife don't come. If my kids don't come, my kids don't come. But God, I'm coming after you. I will not settle. There is more. Your word says, and I purposed in my heart, God, I'm coming after you. And I promise you, in nine years, I have not stopped that pursuit. I'm not there yet. But I'm telling you, I'm coming after him with everything in in me. I'm clawing. I'm pulling. I'm grabbing. I'm praying. I'm dying. I'm, I'm going low. Whatever it takes, God, I'm coming for you. With everything in me, God. I'm coming for you. Not for me, but for you. i got to have you, Lord. I'm not coming for your blessings. I'm coming for your face. I'm not coming for ministry and stardom. I'm coming for your face, God. Because i got to have you. i got to have you because nothing in my life will ever work without you. I'm asking you, will you give him your yes tonight? I'm asking you, will you lay everything aside? Because I promise you, when you do, it's going to cost you. Sapphire and Ananias. The reason they died was because they said we gave you our all but they didn't. It's a dangerous place to tell God you will give Him your all but then hold back and only give Him 75%. And only give Him a portion when you told him he could have everything. And I don't believe that people are dying physically today at this moment because of it. But I'm afraid there's a lot of people dying spiritually because they're sitting in the pews lying to God, giving him a portion and calling it everything.
I'm asking you tonight to give God your yes. I didn't ask you for a hundred percent God did. If you come after me, lose your life and I'll give you life. If you come after me, hate yourself, yea, even your own life or you can't be my disciple. He said, love me more than you love your father, your mother, your children, and your own life. Love me more. Be devoted to me more than you're devoted to anything else in this world, including your own personal desires. I didn't ask you for everything. God did. So I'm asking you tonight, is your answer to the call over this house going to be yes? Is there a desperate cry in this house? Is there a desperate wail in this house? Are there tears of intercession as a result of your desperation for Him in this house tonight? Is there wails? The wailing of the, of the depth of your soul in the room tonight and desperation for Him. Are there cries that step over normalcy and enter into the absolute total abandonment? Is it in the room tonight? I believe it is. I believe there's yeses all over this house. And I believe I'm talking to the right group of people out of this church tonight. That is my divine appointment that you're here tonight. But it's got to be your decision. It can't be the results of my sermon because don't negotiate with God because there is no negotiation. If you're going to give it all, bring it all. Boy, the purpose in your mind, I'm going to give it all. And then when you're rejected, give it all. Then when you're offended, I can't be offended because I've given it all. When I feel like nobody accepted me, it doesn't matter. I've given it all. So you're not going to back me off. You're not going to wear me out. You're not going to discourage me. I'm coming. Not for you, Bishop. Not for an altar call. I'm coming for the key. How many of you in this room? You're intentionally determining right now to give God your yes. Raise your hand. You see, I want every one of you that really determined, I want you to come after him tonight. I want you to go after him tonight if it's in your pew, if it's in the, if it's in this altar, if it's up here in the front. I want you to come after him tonight. I'm asking you to go after him with absolute abandonment and desperation because I believe that's the hunger that draws him. I believe that's the cry that brings the glory. I believe that that's what establishes a habitation and not a visitation. I'm coming, Lord. I'm pushing the crowd away. I'm getting out of my comfort zone. I'm getting away from the opinions of people thinking I'm too radical. Oh, Oh, 
walk away from me if you've got to walk away. But I'm telling you, I'm coming, Lord. Lord, I know they're going to reject me. I know they're not going to hear me. I know they're going to call me fanatical. But I'm coming, God. You're getting everything tonight. I have decided, God, all that I have is yours. You may have to walk this journey alone for a season, but because what they will experience as a result of your own personal yes, your family's coming, your children's coming, your spouses are coming. 
Come on, your family's coming. This church is coming. This generation is coming. Listen, you may have to walk it alone, but they're coming behind you because you blazed a trail and made it possible as pioneers for them to come and follow. Your pioneering church right now, pioneer, travail. Desperate. I will not settle. 